Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you become part of the show. It is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, I-R, iTunes Radio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is how you get in touch with us. We are the evolution of sports talk entertainment. And guys, let me tell you something. We have a huge show today. We really do. We have injuries in the NFL. Dak Prescott's with everyone talking about. Chandler Jones goes down. Melvin Gordon with a DUI. Oh, we got a lot to talk about there. NBA Finals, they're over. It's not a real championship. I don't want to hear about it. We'll talk about that. World Series. Yeah, listen, World Series is right on the horizon. We're going to be talking about that. Le'Veon Bell released from the Jets, and he should be saying, yeah, that's a good thing. And now Jet fans are even looking at Trevor Lawrence even more. COVID running wild. Uh, Well... Maybe we'll talk about that as well. So lots to get over through the show, lots to deal with. The first thing I want to talk about right off the bat, ladies and gentlemen, is information that came in for college football. And that is Alabama head coach Nick Saban has tested positive for COVID. All right, this is huge on a a couple of levels. Look, Saban and the AD, Greg Byrne, both tested positive in the team's latest rounds. Um At this point, look, positive tests are only those two. We also know there is the idea of the false positive out there, so be aware of whatever I say now in a day or two could change. We know that. But right now, that's what's going on. This is the biggest game of the year for Alabama coming up against Georgia. That's for sure. And they might be without Nick Saban for this game. So that's news I had to drop down. I had to make sure that we started the game off with that all right and let's get into what kind of repercussions that is well you know you you have to worry about how alabama's going to react from here on out you have to worry about how practice it's going to be well being on the field before their biggest game this is a ripple effect and we've seen it happen with the titans with the Patriots. we've seen the ripple effect of what happens with covid when one guy gets it and then another guy and then you have to test some people and then it's shut down so I'm going to be really interested to see how Alabama handles this because we haven't had a major college program be impacted the way that it has. And we haven't had such limited time be impacted the way that it was. All right. I got to look back before we start going forward, before we talk about some odds and some numbers. We have to talk about what just happened. And that is the NBA Finals. It is over. The Lakers won. The Lakers were the presumptive favorite before the shutdown, after the shutdown, coming in. They were a massive favorite. Even though Miami pushed them, they were a massive favorite. Cashed all your tickets. The Miami Heat played well. But come on, they were playing with, with less than a roster. So the Lakers win the championship, cash those tickets. Another favorite in the NBA goes on and wins. You know, this isn't a real championship. Can we just say that? It's just not. You know, I said before time, guys, in a lot of these cases, we're going to we're going to say it's a real championship because you have to go through certain protocols, certain situations. But the way that it is played out, let's look at the major sports that have been impacted. And I'm taking football out because we're not talking about a football championship quite yet. But I will get to that in a moment. Let's just start off with the NHL. The NHL finishes. Now, the NHL put everybody inside of a bubble. 
They gave a big playing field, basically gave every team a chance to get in. They Teams were inside this bubble, tried to fight to get in. Then you had the hockey playoffs, and the hockey playoffs didn't have any COVID issues, and you went through. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are your Stanley Cup champions. Will there always be an asterisk attached to that? Sure. Yeah, I guess there will be. I'm not as adamant about that's not a real championship for a couple of reasons. Number one, Tampa Bay was the best team in the league last year, so it's no fluke here, right? Number two, Tampa Bay did this without arguably their best player, okay? He was injured during this. Um, You can go with the idea that, yeah, everybody did have a full playoffs. Everybody did have a fair shot here. And Tampa Bay, you know, being in this situation was a team that you had to go the grueling schedule for hockey was worse this year than it ever is. Usually when you're in the playoffs, you're getting extra time off in between each game. So even though the season is longer, the playoffs are much much longer as well, and it's easier. So I think in a lot of ways it was almost harder to win a hockey championship. So is there an asterisk? Of course there is. There's always going to be one in 2020. Is there a huge asterisk? No, I could live with that. Major League Baseball... You have to put an asterisk on this because you didn't go through the grueling 162-game season, okay? And when you're looking at numbers and stats, I'm putting a huge asterisk next to home run leader or batting average leader or wins leader or saves. Putting a huge one there. But as far as the World Series go, look, this year it was actually a little tougher, wasn't it? I mean, you had to play a three-game series. They had extended playoffs. It was actually a little tougher. There's no home field advantage, Home, uh, you know, field advantage in baseball isn't massive, but it is. It, you know, in a way, I think it evened itself out. So while I, I will argue that hockey, the championship this year, was a little tougher, I think Major League Baseball this year I evened itself out. You don't have the travel. You don't have the 162, but it's more teams in the playoffs, an you know, easier way to kind of get knocked out. I'm going to put an asterisk on it for sure, but it's not going to be this big, giant, bold asterisk. If the NFL gets to a Super Bowl, we have to see how this thing plays out, right? Uh, I already don't like the fact that bye weeks are involved and we're playing Tuesday games and teams get pushed back. But we'll see how this plays out. College football, giant asterisk there, right? They're not playing anybody outside their conference. Giant asterisk. So now we go to the NBA. And this is a complete and utter non-championship in every state of the word. LeBron James, you did nothing. You won nothing. No one will ever take this as a serious championship. I'm sorry, it's over. Don't even argue with it. There is many layers to this. And let's let's get into the layers, okay? Layer number one. An old man in LeBron James, by the way, younger than me, but an old man in LeBron James who can't stay healthy at this point in his career, which we know, gets moved to a new city, and he gets put into a nice cushiony little bubble to win his championship. There's no travel. There's no grueling 80-plus game schedule. No, none of that for LeBron. That helped him. That's an asterisk. That's number one. Number two, not all teams were even invited. Not all teams even had a shot. And you can say, well, Tom, they didn't have a shot. But I don't know that because I didn't see the full schedule. So it wasn't like hockey where everyone kind of had an opportunity. No, no, no. We didn't have that. It wasn't like baseball where, okay, we're going to play, you know, a half a season. No, 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 no. We didn't have that. Teams were drastically different from the start to the beginning. So there's an asterisk there. Next up, let's talk about the bubble itself. 
the bubble itself is, remember, unregulated a lot of the things. There was a lot of people that didn't want to be involved in the bubble. They came out and literally stated, a lot of the Clippers stated this, and people on different teams, with Black Lives Matter, with the protests, with the corona issue, they didn't even want to play the season. So you had teams that didn't even want to play. They weren't even involved. We're not even going to take this serious. That's a lot of teams in the NBA. A lot of players in the NBA had that. Look, I'm not judging if they should have or not. I'm just telling you that that's reality. They told us that. They told us we don't want to play. So LeBron James, you played teams that didn't want to play. You played without travel, without a grueling schedule. You played inside of a bubble. Okay. Then... The Los Angeles Lakers also, oh, by the way, played a Miami Heat team that were missing their second and third best players. Yeah, that happened as well. And you still had to cry and complain to the referees and say that you were being mistreated. This is a non-championship. And for any Lakers fan that is literally going out there and celebrating this championship, look yourself hard in the mirror. Ask yourself if you should do this and hurt Kareem and Magic and Kobe and Shaq. Because that's what you're doing. You're pulling their legacy down by celebrating and going crazy for this ridiculous giant asterisk for a championship. But you did cash your tickets, right? Everybody out there went out there, they cashed their tickets, and that's fine. Looking at next year, the NBA is going through kind of a who-are-we-really phase. And I think that you have to really take a peek at this because the NBA's two most marketable people in the NBA are now foreign players. Giannis and Donkic are, are the most marketable people coming up as the next crop. Now, you can argue that New Orleans might be, and, and Morant and Shore, you could argue that they have people. But right now... It's Donkett and Giannis. Well, they get into the same situation that the NHL is in, don't they? That it's very difficult to market international players to the American public. So the NBA is now into a position where they lost massive appeal to the viewers. 18.7 million last year, 5 point something million this year, 5.6 or 7. Massive drop. The viewers out there, they didn't like the message being sent. They didn't like uh, the social impact, we'll say. And they certainly didn't like LeBron James and a fake joke of a championship run. They didn't like any of that. So the NBA is going to have to go out there and they're going to have to kind of do a better job next year of kind of getting the fans back. But I'm going to argue from a betting perspective that the NBA has become, without a doubt, the most and the easiest futures plays that are out there. College football is, is is right there. College football, I always tell you that there's about 12 teams in the nation that could win the championship, okay? In the NBA, it's kind of getting there, right? Golden State was Golden State. They were favorite wire-to-wire for years. Wire-to-wire for years. And if they weren't the favorite, well, it was only because of LeBron James who made the finals, all those years. The Heat were the favorites all those years. Going back to Boston and San Antonio. It's been a while since somebody new took down the crown, right? It's been a while since somebody new entered the NBA pantheon of greatness. It doesn't really happen. It's not there. So in order to get 
the sports casual sports better back, probably going to need somebody to come on up, an underdog of sorts. Now, I love the NBA. Personally, I I got my my numbers. You guys can go check them out. My numbers are will back me up. I went 39 and 18 in the NBA this year because I think it's a very predictable sport. I think from a betting perspective, you we can make a ton of money on the NBA because it's a very predictable sport. So now you're coming back. And oh, by the way, let's not forget that LeBron, the two be- biggest people, and this is the last thing I'll, I'll rip on LeBron for, but it is true for a legacy standpoint. Because it makes me sick to hear that LeBron James is even being mentioned in the greatness of the greats. Is LeBron James a top 10 player? Not on my list. He's close. I got him, you know, right outside. If you want to argue 8, 9, 10, sure. I argue 11, 12 or so. Okay? But he's not Bird. He's not Magic. He's not Kareem. He's not Jordan. He's not He's not even Wilt or Russell. He's not Dr. Jack. I mean, there's, there's a number of guys that he's just not. And if you want to take just Lakers, you know, I had this conversation with just a Laker fan. And I said, just the Lakers. Let's have a conversation just L.A. Is he better than Magic? And the answer is no. Is he better than Kobe? And the answer was no. Is he better than Shaq? The answer was no. Is he better than Kareem? The answer was no. Now, I could argue some of that, sure. But even in the Lakers organization, he may not be top three, may not be top four. So we could put to rest the LeBron situation because the two guys during his career that LeBron will always be compared to in Curry and Durant did not play this year. They didn't play this year at all. And I ask you LeBron lovers out there, everybody that loves LeBron James, I'm going to ask you this. What does LeBron James do better than anyone else in the history of the NBA? We're waiting. I'm still waiting. Because there is no answer. He has led the league in assists once. He's led the league in scoring. Yeah, not a lot. Okay, not a lot. So he's not the most prolific scorer. He's not the most prolific rebounder. He's not the most prolific passer. He's certainly not the most prolific winner. So what is LeBron better than anybody else? What is he? Well, he's he's good at all things, Tom, right? That's what you say. He's good at all things. He is. He is a good player of all things. But he reminds me a lot of Eddie Murray, a Cal Ripken, Guys that hung around the league for a very long time and that thus were able to put up very big stats and very good stats. LeBron James is better than both of them, sure. But to be the best of the best, LeBron James, this championship didn't move the needle. He came out and said, well, you start to respect me. No, I'm not respecting you. Not at all. Not if your respect means I have to be number one. If you want respect, you want to tell me you're one of the top 10 players in the league? I'm almost there. This did nothing for me this year. This joke of a year did nothing for me, but I'm almost there. Let's uh, quickly talk about the World Series coming up. You know, it's a matter of, look, how did you get there? You know, that's why I'm saying it's not—I don't think—I thought before the pandemic we could kind of just say, okay, it's all all or nothing, but it doesn't matter how do you get there. What teams are there? What— path that you're going to take and where you're going. I will say this. You have to be very, very careful about these playoffs going into the World Series and a betting aspect because what you're seeing is we're watching really long-term management decisions. The Dodgers scored 15 runs in you know basically four innings, uh, four and a half innings or so last week, right, or during the week. 
what happened? They pulled their starter. They pulled him out of the game. He only pitched 71 pitches. All of a sudden, Dave Roberts is thinking long-term. Atlanta's just throwing garbage out there. Here you go, garbage. I don't think that they're, they were necessarily wrong, but in a betting perspective, we have to be very careful. We have to be careful of what's going to happen. They're playing the long game. And the long game takes some foresight. Uh, from a betting angle, the long t- game takes a lot of foresight. We have to really go about this in a different manner. So it's something to keep in mind out there. When we're moving ahead in the World Series here, think long-term. Think how the manager is going to think long-term. And when you're in-game betting specifically, make sure you have that mindset in hand. Uh-oh, look, this team's rocking the ball. You know what? They don't want to crush their bullpen. That means I'm going to jump on them because they're probably going to add some more runs. The other team kind of doesn't care if they add runs and and move on with it. So you have to start thinking about that. We had a lot of early unders, right? The unders were ruling the day. Why? Well, number one, two pitches were out there. The bullpens were nice and rested. The managers didn't mind using the bullpens. And then you got into a little bit later, and what happened? Ball flying out, all of a sudden, big runs going up. It's overs, overs, overs. Well, that's because you're getting into the pitchers that are more 3-4 guys. You're getting into the bullpen that is now tired. You're getting into a bullpen that isn't quite rested. And all of a sudden, you're getting into a position where you've got to be able to move within the game. And that is the key of in-game sports betting. And I know not a lot of stations and not a lot of People out there on those stations talk about in-game sports betting because they don't know how to do it. It's not necessarily backing your team. It's being a manager in your living room, wherever you're watching at your office, wherever you're watching it, right? It's being the manager. Are you throwing this game away? Because you can still make a lot of money on baseball. Tampa Bay was an underdog like every single game, right? And look at where they are. So you can make some money here, but you've got to think like a manager and move and flow like a manager. Make sure you don't stand concrete and you're able to move with everything. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. Come on back. we got lots more football, football, and more football on the way right after this on Wagering Week. Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? All right, let's take a look at some odds on college football this weekend. Oh, we got a couple of good games, and yeah, listen, it's getting to the nitty-gritty here, right? All of a sudden, you feel like you're in the middle of the season, but you are in really kind of the tail end of the season if you really look at the shortened season and everything else that you have going on. So we have some good ACC games, some good SEC games. Let's go through quite a few here. Florida State, North Carolina is an interesting one because North Carolina opened up as an eight-point favorite. It shot all the way up to 13.5. The total 64.5 went down to 63. That is in Tallahassee with a new quarterback. That's a good watch right there. Clemson, 27-point favorites on the road against Georgia Tech, but we know Clemson likes to put the hammer down. And last week, Dabo came out after the game and said he had his worst coaching game he's ever had. Uh, you got to expect Clemson to just go absolutely crazy here. Tennessee, Kentucky suddenly becomes a good game and suddenly it's under a touchdown. It was 7-7-7. It's down to 6. Tennessee at home. The Vols giving the 6 to Kentucky. You keep going through Ole Miss, Arkansas, Ole Miss. How much more scoring can they do to finally win games? Because they are scoring on everyone, but they're only minus two and a half favorites on the road against Arkansas. That should be an interesting one as well. Louisville, Notre Dame. Notre Dame started as a 14-point favorite. It's up to 17 in some spots. LSU, Florida. 
Florida. Blame the crowd. Minus 13. That's if that game goes on. we got to question that right now because, again, COVID runs wild, and we're going to give you all of the information as best we can. Alabama, Georgia did not have an immediate impact from the Nick Saban news. It didn't immediately impact it, but it did after some time. So this one has been bouncing all over the place. It opened at five, went down to four, went down to three, back up to three and a half. This is a shop and wait kind of line. That is what are the odds. All right, guys. Let's get into a little college football as we also bring in a little NFL into this. Because I want to talk about Trevor Lawrence here. And the odds keep coming out. We keep having conversations about where is he going to land? Is anyone going to go, uh, you know, 16 or 0-16? And... Look, he looks like he's going to be the Heisman Trophy winner. There, it, Does it matter? I mean, really, does it matter? Is that going to really move people to draft him number one? No. I think Trevor Lawrence is going number one overall no matter what. So you could go out and you could bet on the Heisman, sure. There's still some doubt there. Mac Jones is in the conversation. Bennett's in the conversation. You still have some doubt that, well, Trevor Lawrence may not win the Heisman, but he's going to go number one overall, right? So we know that. So I'm looking and I'm looking at these odds on who will be the first overall draft pick. And you start to get into a position where they can't price it high enough and they're going to pull it off the board. So I would say to you guys, go and grab it as soon as possible. Right now, Trevor Lawrence is just under 3-1 to one to be the number one overall pick. I think it's a steal. I think it's a steal. I don't care who is sitting out there with the number one overall pick. Trevor Lawrence is going number one. The only way that Trevor Lawrence doesn't go number one is if some team just really has a brain cramp and goes absolutely crazy, and they they decide to stick with their guy. And when I say their guy, look, we're talking about the Jets and Sam Darnold. We're talking about the Giants and Daniel Jones. We're talking about Denver and Drew Locke. We're talking about Jacksonville and Gardner Minshew. These are the teams that we're talking about. There are not a lot of teams, and Washington, I'm sorry, and Washington with the three-headed attack that they have. I mean, there's really five teams kind of vying for this. Unless somebody trades up. But again, if someone trades up into that spot, guys, somebody trades up to taking Trevor Lawrence. So I know 280 to park your money is, is in a handicapper's rule book, one of the stupidest things you could do. Take part of my bankroll, bank it until April, but this is one of the easier plays that I see on the board. What you're basically playing against here is less than 3-1 to one odds that Justin Fields doesn't just absolutely go insane or that Trevor Lawrence doesn't get hurt. And even if Fields does go insane or Trevor Lawrence has a small injury, I still think he goes number one. I believe this has been predetermined for two years. I sp- I've spoken to some scouts, and we'll have some on the on the show, right? But I've spoken to some scouts that are telling me it is universally known that he's the best prospect that came out since Andrew Luck. Universally, they, you don't you don't hear the word universally too often. So you get into a spot where Travis Entienne, hundred twenty five to one, no one's taking a running back. You get into a spot where Chase and Smith are hundred to one, and Parsons is fifty to one, and Leatherwood is fifty to one. Trey Lance, no one's taking Trey Lance. He's plus 950. He might as well be plus you know, 10,000. It's just not happening. 
This is Fields, Lawrence, or Sewell. Seven to one Sewell. Fields is five and a half to one. And then Trevor Lawrence minus 280. And the reality is this is, is it really is between Lawrence and Sewell. The only chance Trevor Lawrence has to not get taken number one overall in the NFL draft at this point is if Jacksonville decides, you know what, Minshew is our guy. Or the Jets decide that we're sticking with Sam Donald. Or if the Giants decide Daniel Jones is is for us. That's the only options. But here's the thing. I don't even think that's a real option. Because if you are the Jets, if you are the Giants, if you are one of these teams that is saying, I'm going to stick, why would you not trade that pick? The asking price right now from industry insiders is three numbers ones and a number two. I've heard it as high up as four number ones and two number twos. I mean, that's where I'm hearing. So why would you not trade that pick? The eventuality of the rest of the world realizing that Trevor Lawrence is absolutely going to be the number one pick is coming quickly. You have a short window to jump on this is if you wanted to jump on it. And I think it's the time to jump on it. I, I told you it was the time last year. I told you last year, the season ended, I said, go, go, go bank on Trevor Lawrence to go number one overall. And I think that's absolutely where he's going. I can't imagine he's going anywhere else. All right, let's talk about a little NFL. We do have some of these teams. They're going for 0-16. They may not know it, but they're going for 0-16. And then you have some teams that are saying, you know what? We're going for 0-16 and we're not hiding it. Like the New York Jets, who go out there and release Le'Veon Bell. They just outright release Le'Veon Bell. The Jets this week, they're playing Miami. The Miami Dolphins look real good over in San Francisco last week, the line opened up at 8. It's up to 9.5 in some spots. I, look, I like Miami. They're at home. I've liked Miami for a couple of years now. I think they're building things the right way. It's not quite time for two at time because Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing at just an awesome level. And he's got plenty of weapons. Preston Williams is a really good number two nobody knows about. Number one receiver, Devontae Parker, used to be in a first-round draft pick. He's finally coming into his own. Had a real good season last year, all of a sudden having a real good season this year. Mike Gazeki, he was a tight end that people called mini Gronk. Well, all of a sudden, he's living up to it. Miles Gaskins, I watched this kid play at Washington. Real good. So they have good offensive weapons. They need a couple offensive linemen, but they got good offensive weapons. The defense was always the question. And the defense ranked dead last last year, came in, didn't look too good this year. But I kept saying saying it was young. Look, Christian Wilkins, he was a young player. He looks pretty good in the middle. They do have the two best cornerbacks. They have the best cornerback duo in the NFL, two of them, but they can't stay healthy. Now they stay healthy, you see what they can do. Xavier Howard is so underrated. You see what Miami can do. I think Miami is real dangerous overall. In this game, this is when we really see it. Miami cannot struggle with the Jets. Miami cannot play games with the Jets. They've got to go out there and absolutely squash the New York Jets in this game. And then all of a sudden, people are starting. Heads are going to start to turn. You're going to go, wait a minute. Should we be talking about Miami as a potential playoff team? And the answer is going to be, yeah, most likely we should. Let's go through some of these other games here. Chicago, Carolina, two teams that we're looking at from completely different directions uh, than where they should have been, right? Four and one, three and two. Carolina, they were dead. They were buried. They were going for Trevor Lawrence. Teddy Bridgewater was just there for a year. And lo and behold, Teddy Bridgewater, 30 and nine in his career against the spread. This guy is a better's dream. He's now giving one and a half at home against Chicago. Chicago, a little underrated. And they go out, they beat Tom Brady. I know he had a brain fart. Maybe they didn't make that anyway. He, Khalil Mack is back. And this is what this game is about. Look, you can talk to me about one thing 
about the Carolina defense, about Nick Foles, and all the headline stuff. If Khalil Mack is finally back to where he should be, and he was not last year, and he wasn't for the first few games, if Khalil Mack is back to that guy, the guy we watched last week, the guy we watched drop Tom Brady on his head time after time after time, if he is back, three-sack Mack is back, Carolina doesn't have a chance because he's going to live in the backfield. But we've only seen that in spurts. How about Detroit-Jacksonville? We talked about Gardner Minshew, you know, possibly there, possibly not. Take it on Detroit. This is a game Jacksonville kind of has to win. They're plus three in this game, and they should be the underdogs because of where they are. But Jacksonville, look, they have weapons. A lot of it revolves around their wide receiver, who's just continuously hurt in DJ Chark. Detroit is a team that you got to protect Matthew Stafford. But I've already watched them go on the road and beat Arizona. Detroit's a weird team because they did a lot without Galladay. Now Galladay's back, and then they kind of forgot about Marvin Jones. Still don't have a running game. I still think Swift is interesting. I kind of like Jacksonville plus the three here just because they are at home and they're playing. But i got to see the how DJ Chark will impact it. Atlanta has a new GM and a new head coach. They're going to Minnesota, and they're catching four points. Look, Minnesota is without Dalvin Cook, but I don't think it matters. I'm sorry. Look, I like Dalvin Cook, but Alexander Madison is a really good backup running back. Really good. I absolutely love the prop play on his over-rushing and receiving yards this week. I think he's going to have a really good week. Atlanta gives up the most receiving touchdowns to a running back, and they could be run all over. Atlanta, meanwhile, though, the rumors and the whispers are starting. Oh, wait a minute. The rumors and the whispers are out there that Matt Ryan may be coming to an end in Atlanta. And Arthur Blank, their owner, did not do anything to stop those rumors. No, they asked him, and he said, well, Matt's here this year. Next year, we'll kind of make a mutual decision. We'll kind of see. I don't blame Atlanta for thinking, you know what? Look, Matt Ryan, he's played well, but maybe it's time. Then you go and you break down the numbers, and since week three, Matt Ryan hasn't played that well. He's got under 60% completion percentage. I know Julio Jones is banged up, and Minnesota's two cornerbacks are young, and they are rookies. But guys, this is a game that I think Atlanta almost has to start winning. If Atlanta has the number one overall pick. I don't think they're bad enough to get there. But if Atlanta has the number one overall pick, you don't think that Atlanta would love to grab Dabo Sweeney and Trevor Lawrence and think about Trevor Lawrence with Julio Jones, Gage, and Ridley. My God, that's a cool offense, man. Oh, I'd be pumped up about that. For this week, though, Minnesota, you know, given the four, they, they should be given the four. Houston, Tennessee, I'm not sure how this layoff is going to be, and I don't know if anybody does. Look, we talk about a short week and only play on a Monday night. What if you play on a Tuesday night? And that's what happened in Tennessee. This is a weird situation. I love to jump on Tennessee, and it's only three, and it's three for a reason because we don't know how the short week is going to react. Guy's coming back. I know Humphreys is coming back from COVID and whatnot, but how much did he practice? How much really game shape is he in? As far as Houston goes, sure, they look better after Bill O'Brien, but this is a different kind of test. This is a real test now, going and playing Tennessee. Tennessee, Tennessee's defense is not fantastic, and I don't want to overreact to what I watched uh, with Ryan Tannehill specifically, what I watched on Tuesday, but they did look good. This is going to look like a gift line if they go out there and they crush them. I'm just hesitant because I'm always hesitant about a short week, and this is the shortest week we've ever had in the NFL. Washington Giants, this game might be the game for Trevor Lawrence, and I'm looking at you Daniel Jones. He's laying three points at home against Washington. Now, Washington has some defensive talent. Landon Collins is a defensive talent. Chase Young is certainly talented. 
But Washington gives up the most air yard big plays. That is big plays through the air, throwing for more than 40 yards and getting a completion, and they give up the most in the league. My question is, can Daniel Jones get the ball downfield? I have said that Daniel Jones is a guy that is just like Mitch Trubinsky. A lot of turnovers, a lot of fumbles. He's been sacked 16 times, and he hasn't scored since week one. Giants put up 30-plus points last week. Daniel Jones, zero touchdown passes. Well, the Giants are starting to think, you know, when everybody questioned Daniel Jones coming in here, everybody worried about Daniel Jones coming in here. Everybody thought maybe he wasn't the right pick of Daniel Jones coming in here. Maybe that's coming to fruition. If they have a chance to bring on Trevor Lawrence, oh, wow. Daniel Jones, you're going to be out of a job. you got to go out there and win this one. Cleveland, Pittsburgh, let's give the numbers. Look, big Ben Roethlisberger, 12-0 in his career against Cleveland at Heinz Field. 29-3-1 against his career in Cleveland overall. This guy owns Cleveland, owns them like we've never seen an athlete own a city Ever. I mean, he's that good. Pittsburgh only minus three in this game against Cleveland. People buying him. Baker's back. Oh, he's going. Finally, he's going to be that guy. Odell Beckham's finally that guy. Kareem Hunt, who cares that he's a POS and we don't like him? It doesn't matter. He's running the ball. Oh, yeah, everything's great in Cleveland. Miles Garrett's throwing, swinging around, beating people over the head. But as long as he gets sacks, it's okay. Yeah, Cleveland's an unlikable team. But anyway, everybody loves Cleveland. Pittsburgh's still Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's undefeated. Pittsburgh has the number one defense in the NFL. You can't. Can't run on Pittsburgh's defense. T.J. Watt gunning for that defensive MVP award, which I told you about before the year. Uh, Big Ben. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, Big Ben still got the rocket. He's got Claypool. He's got Juju. He's got Deontay Johnson. They're still running 140-plus yards per game with James Conner and Snell and McFarland. Pittsburgh, they, they just look like the powerhouse, and not a lot changes year after year when you own a team like this team owns this team. How about Baltimore, Philly? Philly getting seven and a half. If they didn't go out there and win against San Francisco, this line might be like 11 or 12. And we have to take line movement into consideration. Look at the future line movement. Set the lines for the week before and don't go off of what you just watched because Philadelphia should be 11 or more point underdogs here. Baltimore was supposed to have a huge game. It was supposed to be really good. Well, you know what? They won the game. Their defense stepped up. Queen looks fantastic, but Lamar Jackson, guys, well, Lamar Jackson only threw for 180 yards. That's a little concerning. Philadelphia's defense can get after the rusher. Carson Wentz, all of a sudden, is he back? Is all of a sudden Carson Wentz back? Two weeks ago, everyone wants him out of town. Two weeks ago, they're talking about Jalen Hurts. Now he wins one game, and all of a sudden, everything's fine. I don't know about that, guys. Look, 7.5, giving 7.5 on the road, little tough, but this is a weird situation. Cincy and Indy. Look, Indianapolis, they had the number one defense in the league, but we know that's just because of who they played. Jacksonville and the Jets of the world, let's be honest, Indy's defense was not that good. And they wound up letting up 32 points to a Browns team that I just told you I don't completely believe in their offense. Cincinnati comes in, everybody's loving on Joe Burrow. They were giving nine and a half where Indy, now it's all the way down to seven. Why? Because Joe Burrow has people excited. And Joe Burrow is very good. Joe Burrow has also been sacked 15 times in the last two games. You know that's 
got to be a problem. Zach Taylor has to deal with A.J. Green, apparently saying he wants out of town. So now you have Joe Burrow getting sacked, laying on his back, A.J. Green kind of out of town. Weirdly, all of a sudden, everything was beautiful, and since he thinks they're not so beautiful anymore. Indianapolis, look, I don't believe in their defense. I don't believe that their defense is as good as we have seen, but they certainly could shut down Cincinnati, who has no real running game, and right now is missing some wide receivers. They could shut them down to an extent, but it's the other side of the ball that I want to look at. Look, Cincinnati's defense cannot stop the run, and they're going up against the best offensive line in the business. I like Indy here to win the game. My worry about laying seven and a half or seven in this spot is very much on Phillip Rivers. I said a couple of weeks ago, I didn't think Phillip Rivers was done. People overreacted. Well, last couple of weeks, what have we seen? Phillip Rivers looks bad. He's always been the guy that throws the interception at the wrong time. Always been the guy that makes the mistake at the wrong time. Now he's just making the mistake at the wrong time and not making the big play to make it up for it. People are calling for Jacoby Brissett in Indy, so it's going to be interesting there. All right, guys, we have a lot more games to come up, including the primetime games that are into the future. But first, let's bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to the future. future. All right, bet to the future. Here is a full list of the odds at Caesars Sportsbook and the opening odds for the NBA championship next year. Look, Lakers, they open up as the predominant favorite. 15 to 4 odds. Clippers are 4 to 1. Bucks 6 to 1. Warriors 8 to 1. Nets 10 to 1. Celtics 12 to 1. The Heat 15 to 1. Nuggets, Raptors, Rockets 20 to 1. Mavericks 25 to 1. Blazers and Sixers are 30 to 1. Jazz 40 to 1. Pelicans and Thunder 50 to 1. Suns at 60 to 1. Then you got the real long shots. Pacers, Grizzlies, Hawks, Wizards, Bulls all 100 to 1. Magic Spurs, that's a weird spot for the Spurs. Magic Spurs, Kings, T-Wolves, 200 to 1. Pistons, Knicks, Cavs, 300 to 1. And the Hornets are 400 to 1. I would have thought it would have been the Knicks. But there you go. That is the list at the Caesar Sportsbook for the NBA Finals next year. And that is bet to the future. Well, guys, yeah, just just a quick look at this before we go back into the NFL. Uh, You're never going on a long shot here. Weird, weird spot for the Spurs, 200 to 1. And the Knicks, I thought they'd be the worst team in the league. I, I see some interesting stuff here, though. Thunder at 50 to 1 is an interesting long shot. Look, I just went on a rant and told you that long shots don't pay off in the NBA. So I'm not taking it. But 50 to 1 on the Thunder, that's not terrible. 40 to 1 on the Jazz isn't terrible. I kind of like the Mavericks. I think they're a year away. But if you really want to gamble, 25 to 1 odds on the Mavericks makes a little sense. I'm not going with the Nuggets, even though they looked good this year. I think they're more of a regular season team, and I'm not going on the Heat at all. Lakers, there's no value. The Clippers, there's no value. The Bucks to make it, yeah, sure. The Warriors getting Clay and Steph back, 8 to 1, just not enough. The Nets, Durant. And Irving, maybe not enough for me. The Celtics are really well coached to twelve to one. I think the NBA. Look, you don't you don't want to park your money this long. You know, you don't want to take a futures bet now and park your money unless it's really great odds and you think it's going to change. So I'm not going to touch anything here. Uh, if you wanted to sprinkle a little bit and have basically like fun money on the Pelicans. Uh, maybe a little fun money on, on one of these long shots. Okay, the Mavericks, sure, you want to do something like that. But I would wait until the dust settles on free agency to do anything. All right, let's go back into the NFL. Lots of big games left, and we're going to Denver, New England. We 
are looking at Denver, New England. We don't know about Cam Newton, but I think, look, he's probably coming back. The line tells us that he is. It's a double-digit line. But I worry about Cam Newton coming off of COVID, uh, coming off of not practicing, coming off of very few reps, laying double digits in the NFL is just never productive. I don't care if it's against one, two, third-string quarterback. It doesn't matter in Denver. If there's a team to do it with, it's New England. If there's a spot to do it with, it's in New England, sure, and their defense looked really good last week, but I got to see it two weeks in a row to finally believe that. How about Green Bay, Tampa Bay? Is this the game of the week? If not, it's up there. It's I'm saying it's probably the game of the week. It's Rodgers against Brady. And you look at Aaron Rodgers, 4-0 against the spread. They're coming off of a bye week. He's not sure if he's going to have Devontae Adams back, but it's not really about Aaron Rodgers and Brady here. Brady looks good. He's waiting to get Godwin back. They have a lot of the same similarities. They're both having good years. I know Rodgers is having a great year, but he's played nobody, let's be honest. This is about defenses to me. And when you look at Green Bay's defense, the defensive metrics say they're 29th in the league. They're one of the worst defenses in the NFL, guys. And they're giving a point on the road to Tom Brady. And they're giving a point on the road to an angry Tom Brady, an embarrassed Tom Brady. Tom Brady who's holding four fingers up and was embarrassed. Look, you could say what you want about Tom Brady, but the guy has a clear ego. We've seen him scream at people on the sidelines, teammates, and this and that, and get angry. That angry Tom Brady might come out here. But where he could have success against Green Bay, you know Aaron Rodgers is going to want to go, you know what? I'm the better quarterback. Tom's considered the GOAT. Well, I'm better because he actually thinks that way. Sort of Green Bay fans, by the way. But reality is is he's not going to be able to have as much traction here. Tampa Bay's defense is good. David and White in the middle are really good. Now, you can expose them a little bit with the deep ball, but you have to ask yourself, is Aaron Rodgers going to be able to go down to Tanyan, who had three touchdowns in the new tight end, or is he going to continue to go deep with what Tampa Bay is kind of weakness at? I'm going to be interested. If Devontae Adams was in here, I'd be all over Green Bay. And if I thought that Chris Godwin was 100%, I'd be all over Tampa Bay. This is one of the better games on the board. But I'm telling you, there's subplots here that work. And usually when you have a lot of subplot games, I don't like to go out there and bet the game. All right, let's go to Sunday night. Rams, San Francisco. What a line movement here. San Francisco opened up as a slight favorite. Now they're the underdog. I'm seeing up to three and a half at BetMGM on an, on the underdog line. Rams coming in. What can the Rams do to impress me? Because this is what I'm asking myself. Because right now the Rams are a player or two away from being undefeated. I still don't buy into a, this three-headed rushing attack that sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. I don't believe in it. Cooper Cup, you know, one of my favorite guys, he's being misused. But the Rams are winning, so you can't say anything. The Rams are the, one of three teams, top 10 in defense, top 10 in offense. Okay, And you look at that. The other two, by the way, Kansas City Pittsburgh. The Rams are one of the three teams there. And Donald is clearly the best player defensively and maybe the best player overall in the game. I get that. Jalen Ramsey has lost a little bit. I watched him get picked apart and targeted by Allen, just picking him apart with digs. Can Jimmy Garoppolo do that? Probably not. And that's where kind of lies in the problem here is that 
I don't know what we're getting back from Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not ready to throw in the towel on this Niners team because they could still run the ball effectively. Most of it's back, and he's running really well. I like Ayuk as a compliment to Samuel. I really like George Kittle. I don't think he was used enough last week. But it's their defense that still has question marks. It's that offensive line that still has question marks. And if you have a question mark at quarterback, it worries me. And right now, for you to go out there and take even plus the three points at home with San Francisco, if you go out there, you're still banking on a questionable quarterback. And the questionable quarterback in this spot wasn't very good to begin with. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't this all-world quarterback. He's a good quarterback. Good. Good that's it. So you look at this situation and you go, Rams should be favored. Rams are probably the right side minus the three. Something's telling me, though, that San Francisco and Shanahan come up with a game plan. Something's telling me that the Super Bowl contenders that we thought they were before the year and the Super Bowl representative of last year shouldn't be getting three points at home in a divisional game. Things that will make you go broke in this world, okay, as a sports better, home underdogs betting against them. Oh, yeah, that'll make you go broke. Home underdogs, sure. Divisional underdogs, oh, divisional underdogs, that's money. Divisional home underdogs, ah, you know, I'm going crazy. This right here, it falls into all of that, but I just can't take it because of Garoppolo. How about Arizona-Dallas? Well, this is now Andy Dalton, and it's not Dak Prescott. I know I didn't get into the Dak Prescott stuff overly I wanted to wait to the game itself. First of all, it's a shame for Dak. And this is why these athletes go out there and everyone says, go get your money when you can go get your money. Because this guy was looking at a 400 or $500 million payday that probably won't be getting it now. What do I think is going to happen? I heard people going, oh, you know, have the Bears sign him up. No. What's probably going to happen is they're just going to Kirk Cousins him, which means they're going to franchise tag him next year, see how he plays, and then, you know, kind of go off of that. I can tell you, though, that Dak Prescott makes this offense go, but he isn't the reason for the offense. Andy Dalton's going to come in here and he's going to play well. Andy Dalton is a professional. When Dallas got Andy Dalton, I called it one of the best moves of the offseason because they had Super Bowl hopes, and they were defending against the worst, and the worst was that their starting quarterback goes down. Andy Dalton has a lot at his disposal here. Gallup and CeeDee Lamb and, and obviously Cooper and Elliott, who, by the way, Elliott's got to step it up. He's got a lot at his disposal. He's got a lot at his fingertips to go out there and use. And I think he's going to have a good time and an easy time to do it because Arizona also lost a big player. They lost their best defensive player in Chandler Jones. He's not going to be coming after him with all those sacks in tow. So I think Andy Dalton has a good game here. But the problem was never the offense for Dallas. It's always been the defense for Dallas. They lost... Van Der Esch, they lost Lee, but this defense has been playing poorly besides just those two. Now you have an offensive player in Kyler Murray that can extend plays, make life miserable for defenses. You need a spy on him. They're going into a third stringer to be the spy on him. And if he does get time, Hopkins right now is playing the most elite level of wide receiver in the league. So you're talking about a situation where Arizona looks like the obvious choice, but hold on before you go unloading that Brinks truck to go take Arizona, let me stop you and let me explain to you right now, they can't run the ball. Kenny Drake cannot run the ball. Chase Edmonds looks like a better player, but Kenny Drake can't run the ball. And if you can't run the ball, you become one-dimensional. And I don't care how bad Dallas's defense is. I really don't care. Because if you're one-dimensional, you could be stopped. And this right now is that statement game for Dallas. National TV, you've been embarrassed. You're the butt of jokes. But if you win with Andy Dalton, you're in first place in your division. 
This is a really good one. And then you have the possible best game of the week. And a lot of people will probably say that. And that is Buffalo and Kansas City. Once again, we get into the whole Buffalo Bills coming off of a loss. A loss that I blame more on a virus than I do on Tennessee. And I don't mean to take anything away from Tennessee, but Buffalo did nothing wrong here. Nobody on their team had COVID, but they had to get moved. First, it was, um, we're going we're gonna to delay it. Then we're going to move it until Sunday night. Then we're going to move it to Monday. Then we're going to move it to Tuesday. It throws people off. Now, Buffalo, who may have been looking ahead to Kansas City anyway, now Buffalo has to go and go on a Monday night game at a weird time, 5 o'clock Eastern time. They're at home with no fans because the governor of New York is a moron. So, a lot is taken away from this game, but they're only getting three and a half because Kansas City is coming off of a loss against the Raiders where they just look bad. They exposed every problem that Kansas City has had. And can I be the first one to say it? Patrick Mahomes isn't having a great year. He's having a good year. He's not having a great year. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is having a bad year. 64 yards or less in three of his last four games. Oh, I'm sorry, in four of his last four games, but he led the team 64 yards or less in three of the last four games. Guys, that's not going to get it done. After that breakout performance in week one, sure, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he may be able to catch passes out of the backfield, but you got to have a running game. And right now, Kansas City does not have a running game. Now, fortunately for them, Buffalo stops the run, eighth in the league at stopping the run. But Buffalo can give up the big pass, and that's where Kansas City has the advantage. Look, KC should be the favorites here. KC has to be the favorites here. And we all expect a full bounce back, and we all expect Kansas City to go out there and squash them. But there's a reason this line is three and a half. Buffalo is a good team. And Buffalo got caught in a bad spot last week. And I think that that's really what we have to go out there and take a peek at is why did they go down the way that they went down? I think there was a lot of moving and shifting. I think that they met an opponent that was well-rested and ready. I think that there was also a little bit of a look ahead. So there's a n- number of things. I don't think Buffalo is going to get caught in a spot of any of that being an impact. I know it was Tuesday, but it's kind of like playing a Monday night, Monday night. The short week kind of hurts them again here. So I forgive Buffalo if they lose this game. But I'm telling you now, this game means everything to Josh Allen. Josh Allen had the first bad game of the year. I think he comes back, and I think he comes back with a vengeance. I'm looking at the total here, and I'm saying, man, I love that total. And then all of a sudden, it went from 54.5 all the way up to 58. And now I'm kind of pulling off of it a little bit. Buffalo can score. Their defense has been a little bit of a problem this year. This is kind of a, okay, you better get right kind of game. Kansas City, though, they haven't been explosive. They're not scoring 40 every day. They probably will score 30, though. This game probably looks like a shootout. It probably looks like it's an over. But, man, once you get up to 58 range, don't you have to kind of pull off a little bit, have a little decorum to just say, yeah, I don't think I can go near that. That's where I am. So that's the NFL this week. Short week because we got a lot of bye weeks and whatnot. From a daily fantasy perspective, this gets a little bit tougher. These are now the bye weeks. This is now COVID. You don't know if this guy's playing. We don't know if this team's going to be canceled. But look, we've made a lot of money so far. We're going to continue to make a lot of money. So make sure you guys keep on listening. Every single week, I'm going to give you the edges that you need to go out there and make some money. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back. And you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.